Welcome to the Nerdaplexi Comic Movie Review Show. In this series, we are going to break down and analyze every comic movie released between 1989's Batman all the way to 2008's Iron Man. We are going to track the trends, hype the hits, and dunk on the duds, all in search of the perfect convergence of comics and cinema. Joining me on this epic journey is my longtime friend and frequent co-conspirator, Sam. We danced the mamushka while Nero fiddled. We danced the mamushka at Waterloo. We danced the mamushka for Jack the Ripper, and now, Fester Adams, this mamushka is for you. <laughs> so sit back, relax, and grab your weapon of choice as we dive into... Ba-ba-da-bum. The Adams Family. They do what they want to do, say what they want to say, live how they want to live, play how they want to play. Yeah, obviously, the MC Hammer version. Yeah. No, you fool, I'm putting the theme song in there, baby! <laughs> right here's where you cut in Too Legit to Quit. He has like seven songs on this. Uh, oh, he did the whole soundtrack. I think all of Too Legit. Cousin It was bumping Too Legit when he pulled up to the party. That was really fun. <laughs> did you watch the new animated one at all? No. Cousin It's played by Snoop Dogg. Oh, well, that's funny, but a little off theme, mm-hmm. I feel like. Is it? Whenever Cousin It shows up jamming MC Hammer, whenever Cousin It shows up in the new one, he's blasting Snoop. Okay, I see. I see what you're saying. Playing Drop It Like It's Hot, also voiced by Snoop Dogg. But it's, you know, they, they make his voice real high. You know, it's not like a... Oh, okay, okay, okay. That was my next question. All right, The Addams Family, released November 22nd, 1991, directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, starring Angelica Houston, Christopher Lloyd, Christina Ricci, and the absolute legend, Raul Julia. The best. May he rest in peace. Man. Oh, rip. This is a real um, who's who. I was excited to see my man. We were talking about character actors last time. My man, Dan Hedaya, Tully, the lawyer. Oof. What a face on this guy. Charlatan, deadbeat, parasite. How Gomez adored you. I think he also played Monk's dad in Monk. He was. That was one of the one, one of trivia facts I stumbled upon in this <laughs> one. <laughs> I don't remember the first time I saw this, but we probably rented this some Friday night because this was 91. Where where does that put me? That's like... I was three. I I think I remember being in like third grade or something like that. 83 to 91. That seems about right. We had it on VHS. We had a lot of stuff on VHS. We had quite the collection because I find myself saying that a lot. But Adam's family was on regular rotation. I forgot about it until Cousin It rolled up bopping some MC Hammer that that was huge in the in the promo of this. So I kind of remember the song Too Legit more and that music video probably more than I'd seen the movie. That Am- Adam's Family song that Hammer did actually won a Razzie for worst song. It's, wow. Yeah. That might come up a little bit later. <laughs> it deserves its place in the annals. The annals. Yeah. The butt. <laughs> So let's get into it. So we open on the house and some carolers. It's Christmas time in the Adams world. And boy, do they got a present waiting for these carolers below. It's a pot of boiling bubble and tar. Yeah. So they murder them. I guess they just killed them. Yeah. Just killed those. Murdered some carolers. (laughs) After this scene for the rest of the movie, there's tar stains on the front of the house and the sidewalk surrounding the entrance. I did not notice that. They show it kind of in the very next scene. You see the splashes and it's there for the whole rest of the movie. This house, the exterior looks amazing and spot on perfect. It costs them apparently $100,000 to build the exterior itself. As soon as we get to the interior, they show that wild horny clock where Gomez is kissing Morticia's boobs. The little Gomez doll leans forward, kisses her boobs, yes. leans back, leans forward, kisses her boobs. <laughs> 
It's a very sensual movie. I know. I was turned on just about the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very fun little opening, and it balances the theme because the beginning of this movie, very dark. They kill a bunch of carolers. And then, yeah, you have a fun little clockwork scene. And that's kind of the whole theme of this movie. And the whole vibe is like, this is very uncomfortable, but I love it. It's very cute. Like, it does a weird thing in your brain that's kind of hard to reconcile. But we get a bunch of introductions. We get to meet the whole fam. First off, you'll see Thing which is, you know, probably computer animated, recorded, and then blue screened in or whatever. But it looks great. The actor who plays Thing is Christopher Hart, who literally only plays disembodied hands in movies. He's the hands in Idle Hands. (laughs) Check out his IMDb credits when you get a minute. He plays hands, Thing, lefty. He's a hand guy. Yeah, he's he's just a hand guy. Like David Duchovny in Zoolander, hand model. Wait a minute. No. I know that hand. It was in the fall 1973 Boulevard Watch catalog. You're J.P. Pruitt. The world's greatest hand model. Once upon a time, things change. Him and Lurch are the only ones who are in this movie, Adam's Family Values, and the Adam's Family Reunion TV movie. Oh, okay. I I didn't know that there was one of those. Then we see uh, Gomez and Morticia in their real forms and not just clockwork. We get the kids doing a little William Tell stuff. And then, yeah, we, we meet the whole gang. A modified William Tell with the apple in the mouth. <laughs> a little more challenging, I'll say. But this is an auspicious day. It is the 25th anniversary of when Fester has gone missing. The night will be the 25th seance they hold. Uh, an attempt to contact him. It sets up Morticia and Gomez's relationship and like... Dang, what a couple. What an aspirational uh, role model couple. Can it be a meta meet cute? So it's like we're meeting the characters because I called that an a feet cute. That's a good one if you look it up. It's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> that's a slow burn. That's a time that's a good bomb. one. You'll once you look it up later and you'll be like, oh, damn, yeah, that's Google perfect. It. Google Ifeet, it and then you'll laugh. E-F-F-E-T-E. <laughs> they have a good bit where Gomez wakes up Morticia mm-hmm. and he kind of lets the sun in. And Morticia's plant kind of cowers from the sun. It's all backwards here. Yeah. There's some great, this is kind of the kickoff of the amazing dialogue that we would get for the entire rest of the movie. It's all off the charts, but when Morticia says, You're like some desperate howling demon. You frightened me. Do it again. Oh, come on. Where do you get this stuff? There are almost far too many to mention. Let's see. I'm going to check real quick. Did the screenplay for this get it? Is it one of the awards it got? I think it was only nominated for or did it win an academy award for costume design i think it might have and not in the oscars it was nominated for costume mm. golden globes was best performance for angelica houston best makeup uh in the baftas and production design the 2020 awards that's not anything so it didn't win a whole lot um of anything else best supporting actress the fangoria chainsaw awards gave a winner to best supporting actress for christina rishi <laughs> And the Razzie's worst original song, MC Hammer, for Adam's Groove. Adam's Groove. Yeah, well, this one should be, um, because the dialogue here is just really rock solid. There's nothing in this movie that's bad. And why I didn't get every accolade, I I can't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the kids go to school. Gomez plays some golf, and we have a little um, setup here that's going to get knocked down later where he blasts a golf ball through his neighbor the judge's window right into his cereal that kind of plays out a bunch of times and 
comes back to bite him in the end. So this is where we meet up my boy Dan Hedaya. He is Tully, the family's lawyer. And we get to see the the sentient gate that he he has a little tussle with. And we get the first of many sword fights where I have to say he doesn't do too bad. No, he's been at this for a while. That's a pretty great scene. At the very end, uh, Gomez gets his pen out of his thing and flips him and does some backflips, lands, and catches it. It's just great. It's they great. They have a pretty fun relationship. I don't know why he would ruin that. Morticia later says, like, you're a scoundrel and you're disgusting yeah. and vile. Gomez loves you. <laughs> so, I mean, they're very accepting here. Tully has come with two ideas. One, to pitch a scheme where he was going to put a retirement fund for the missing Uncle Fester into his name in an offshore account, yada, yada, yada. He's trying to do some shady business, but Gomez pays him to handle the monthly expenses for the place, which answered a question because as we like were introduced to all these characters, they're doing their wild stuff. I was like, how in the world? Like, what do they do? How do they have all this money? And it turns out there is a vault in the depths of the Adams basement that contains gold doubloons, which Adams gives to Tully to pay for all the expenses. I guess he just kind of has a a lawyer on retainer so that he doesn't have to interact with, you know, normal, regular human stuff like bills. (laughs) I think Tully might be scaling off the top anyhow because he gives my dude a whole suitcase full of like pieces of eight so heavy he can't even carry it yeah yeah each one of those is probably like an ounce so that's like two grand a piece what what are their bills i mean he has a train set with real people in them well you know that does tend to rack up some expenses this is a heightened movie and i think the best way to think about this is that this is like cartoon world this is zany this is comic strip thought process like don't think too hard about it because there's lots of crazy business and for the most part it never comes into your mind like, what is this? Like, what are they doing? You're just personally, I was just on board for literally everything they had to say. There's so many good bits. I mean, they have a bit where they're looking for things for the charity auction. Oh my goodness. And they find Uncle Knickknack's winter wardrobe, Uncle Knickknack's summer wardrobe, mm. Uncle Knickknack. It's really funny. This is a funny movie. I was dying this whole thing. Morticia was mentioning that the charity auction was for widows and orphans. We need more of them. (laughs) They are absolutely twisted. It's literally nonstop jokes. The whole cast is buying in at 110%. And both Raul Julia and Christina Ricci both had said that this is their favorite role that they had ever played. Raul Julia especially, he would get so excited apparently when people noticed him on the street from the Adams family because it made him happy to know that something that he did brought so much joy to people and that was a thing of comfort in his uh, final days how much you know the fans adored him and how much everyone enjoyed working on this movie you can see it it's like jumping off the screen the energy is so high all of the characters are outsized in just the perfect way when we meet two more of them in Tully's office when he gets back, as Sam said, struggling with his briefcase full of gold doubloons. And it seems he has got some financial troubles of his own, which would explain the earlier scheme he was trying to pull, because he owes a lot of money to a very serious lady and her monstrous, I'll call him son. Quote, unquote, son. Yes. I really loved his um, intimidation move. Oh, yeah, that was a great move. When he turned him upside down. Dumping all the Pepto-Bismol tablets out of his pockets. (laughs) And did you guys notice he had pocketed a doubloon? Yeah. A spare doubloon fell out on the ground. I like this hair. Yeah, the hair with the sweater. Very intimidating look. (laughs) Very powerful. I have to say, I think this is the most intimidating witness intimidation we have seen in a movie thus far. And we've seen a few, you know, Punisher, Batman, but 
This one really turned it up to 11. Actually, there's a bunch of them in Ninja Turtles as well. But I think being picked up by the neck and then rotated 180 degrees so your feet are up in the air. You could say he literally turned him to 11. (laughs) A clock on the dial, yeah. But they have got a plan. Telly's a clever guy, and he figures out that this guy, Gordon, Mama Craven's little boy, looks exactly like Fester Adams, and that they can use him to trick the Adamses into giving up their fortune. And that's the plan they enact at the seance later that night. During the seance, a great gag with Thing where Grandmama says when Mrs. Tully is uh, is squeezing her hand too tight and then she pulls it off and Thing's in her hand. This is a good bit. Tully's wife, by the way, is uh, Margaret. Margaret. That'll come up later, I guess. See, guys, we're, we're, we're improving. <laughs> we're, I'm looking at a cast list instead of just fucking <laughs> guessing. I probably have it written down later, but because she, doesn't re- she didn't have too much to do at this point. No, yeah, I reference her in my notes as Tully's wife a bunch of times just because it never really comes up. Mm-hmm. Her name comes up once when he's telling her to shut her mouth, which is like basically his whole, <laughs> their whole dynamic. We do get the reunited Gomez and Fester and Dr. Pinderschloss, which I thought... I mean, I know this is a comedy and they want to let everyone play in the space, Mm -hmm. but they don't know this lady from Adam. Why is she doing a German accent? (laughs) That's a really good point. She's like wildly hammy. She's really making a meal out of this ruse because she just never gets to role play like that, I guess. They say that she's a con lady, so maybe she just loves the grift. This is one of her characters. And Pinderschloss, loosely translated from German, means nuthouse. Oh, She's a psychiatrist, Dr. Nuthouse. She like goes out of her way to make herself incredibly suspicious. (laughs) Classic comic villain trope. They always have to throw it in your face. And she's doing exactly that. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if the German-ness is one of her characters, like Dr. Pindeschloss, because (laughs) there's like a weird association with like, you know, Freud and like psychiatrists in German. It gives her like a air of credibility, perhaps. I don't know. I guess. I think she just got a dramatic flair and she just likes to she just likes to get in there. <laughs> I'm Dr. Pindeschloss, yeah. I'm Dr. Crazy Person. Yo, I'm a big nutso, yeah. <laughs> At the séance that night, they call out to the spirit of Fester to knock three times, and he does, and it's up oh, they're at the door. And there's a lot of shots that just follow Thing running really fast on the ground. And I think they might have just come up with this technology and like, oh, we got to get it. We got to get the most out of this. It adds to the kind of frantic otherworldliness of the whole Adams family residence. But yeah, there it is. Uncle Fester arrives and Dr. Penderschloss found him and he was apparently trapped in the Bermuda Triangle and is going to stay with the Adamses for a week on like a trial basis. They also have Fester's luggage show up, mm. and it's got all these stickers, one from Death Valley, Fun in the Sun, one from Pompeii, one from the Black Hole of Calcutta, one from Three Mile Island, yeah. Jonestown, Devil's Island, Elba. Jonestown's a little dark. Yeah. <laughs> like, the other ones I get, but then, like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Morticia seems a bit suspicious, but Gomez is just head over heels. He's so excited to have his brother back. And we get the impression that there was some bad blood that caused Fester to run off in the first place. And here's an interesting little tidbit. I don't know. I I was getting into some fun facts myself. I'm trying to steal everybody's bits. (laughs) It was 25 years that Fester has been missing. Now, this 1991 is 25 years since the Addams Family TV show was canceled. Mm. 
a nice touch. The convergence, I think this time might be a comic TV, everything kind of convergence in this one. And there's there's some fun stuff about the TV show as well. But we've got Uncle Fester back. The gag where Morticia is helping Fester unpack, I think, is amazing. He's going through all this stuff. It's like dynamite, a crowbar, cyanide. And she says, cyanide, Fester, as if we'd run out. It's just so, everything about it is perfect. He's so worried that they're going to find all his murder tools. But all he has to do is look around in the room he's already in. I mean, they already all are there. Obviously, these are like, Mm -hmm. it's like a chainsaw and like all this kind of stuff. It's obviously stuff to break into a vault, Mm -hmm. but it also just perfectly fits everybody's vibe. So he kind of like gets to know that as it goes on. But he looks around his digs and finds an old picture of himself and Gomez at uh, Camp Custer that he finds in a picture of flora and fauna, his old flames, as it were. Now, is Camp Custer, that is that the camp that they go to in the sequel? I don't know. I think so. Maybe. Sure. Oh. They mention it. And it's kind of a throwaway joke. It's like the Camp Custer for delinquent youths or something like this, and they're, they're like in dog cages. <laughs> but <laughs> It's Camp Chippewa. Okay. They didn't go for it. Maybe that's just they they pulled a Camp Crystal Lake and just tried to do a rename. Maybe. <laughs> so the night passes. Fester's bed. He gets into bed. This is great. Where he sinks down into it like a little little bald taco is wild. And then he starts screaming. I think Thing jumps in the room and is doing all kind of stuff. And he's like screaming himself to sleep. And we cut to Morticia and Gomez like, ah. Oh. Screams in the night. It can only mean one thing. He's home. <laughs> They're wild takes on stuff. I don't know, like other kinds of media or other characters try to adopt this like good is bad, bad is good mentality. But I don't know that anyone pulls it off quite like this cast. My favorite bit comes up whenever Gomez wakes Fester up in the morning. He puts his hand on him. Mm -hmm. Gomez freaks out and uh, pulls his knife out and puts it up to Gomez's throat. Gomez says, breakfast, and then Gomez flips him over <laughs> onto the ground, and he says, damn, it's good to have you back. Yeah, he's so excited, like, yes, we're back trying to kill each other like brothers <laughs> should. Then they get to breakfast, and the poor kids in this family have to watch their parents' uncontrollable horniness. Oh, there's a lot of like things that might put these kids in therapy, but it's for sure the fact that they have absolutely watched their parents bone down multiple occasions. So many times. Gomez and Morticia absolutely like bang right at the for <laughs> sure. Where is the, the auction? They mm, for sure have sex in front of everybody of at that auction. All this movie doesn't show is penetration. Oh, <laughs> well, people get stabbed, but <laughs> another really great bit though is Fester wants to find the vault, so he's trying to be real, real sneaky. I should say Gordon at this point wants to find the vault. Like, yeah, I just want to kind of look around. Today, I like to wander through the house. Remember. And he's like, no, no, sorry, old man. No wondering today. Today we're going straight to the vault. No way. No, my man. Straight to the vault. <laughs> <laughs> you have no time for wandering today. We must go straight to the vault. <laughs> so good. The spooky breakfast is great. Whenever Morticia speaks French, it just like Gomez, like you said, Sam, it just fires him off like a rocket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like a red rocket. Uh, no, no, Jimmy. <laughs> Yank it. It's gone. <laughs> Don't yank it. (laughs) Oh, boy. I walked right into that. (laughs) Okay, so they go straight to the vault, like Sam says, and it's great. There's like a bunch of chains. They pull a chain, and then it starts this wacky, spooky slide ride. 
and it dumps them out at, at like a Venetian canal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do a good <laughs> gondola bit. Oh my god. Opera singing and I love how much verve and like lust for life all of these characters have because they're just having the time of their lives with everything they do. Okay, so they get to the vault and the canal ride is great. Gomez has a phonograph on board so he can sing his like canaling song. (laughs) They get to the vault entrance and they're putting in the combination and Gomez is, you know, like, of course, you know this. It's the combination is two, ten. And Fester doesn't know what it is, but it's two, ten, eleven, eyes, fingers, toes. That's really funny. Maybe it's a common Adams family trait. Well, they're creepy and they're kooky. So if that's true, (laughs) that maybe most or all Adams have 11 toes, Mm -hmm. I think that should be a good tip-off for Gordon because he probably has 11 toes and should realize that's not normal. Well, maybe it was, I guess it was 25 years ago. And maybe he's chopped one off since then. Pound for pound, I think this is like one of the most joke-dense movies of all time. Every frame has at least one joke. If it's like a sight gag in the back, if it's thing doing something weird, everything is like jokes and jokes and jokes. Gomez is digging through. He wants to show an old movie and he's digging through and there's like a creature that he has to beat to death with like a bat. Like it's just nuts. He asks Fester to get some brandy. He takes the lid off the brandy and it causes the room to spin to where all of the money is. Mm-hmm. Now he knows where all that is. And it spins back just in time for Gomez to turn around. They're giant brandy glasses, guys. I'm, I'm getting one. I'm fucking getting one. They watch an old movie of them like doing some stuff. And these movies, like all the flashback stuff, I, I read somewhere that they are cut straight from the original source material. It wouldn't be with Fester and Gomez. It was, you know, Pugsley and Wednesday. But the thing with the fins on the back... And in the cages and stuff, I'm pretty sure are just straight from the original. Oh, and we find the initial hurt. So they're having this heart to heart. They showed the debutante ball where Gomez and Fester are dancing with Flora and Fauna, the conjoined twins. And it turns out Fester seduced the twins, even though they were Fester's love. And just because he could, basically, because he was jealous of Fester. And that's what caused Fester to run away to the Bermuda Triangle, the love of flora and fauna. They go to the auction and they donate a Chinese finger trap and then spend $50,000 overbidding each other to get it right back. And this is when they absolutely get down and dirty in the middle of the auction. They definitely do. 35! It is divine. 50. I have $50,000. Your turn, my ecstasy. 50000 going once, 50000 going twice. Sold to Morticia Adams for $50,000. <laughs> right after that, we see Lurch driving the same car as Lothar from Rocketeer. I don't know if it's the same exact car, but the top is gone on the front because he's too tall for a regular car. A Packard Twin 6? 1932, by the way, the whip. Mm. It's a convertible, so there's a slot for his head, naturally. Fester is in the back trying to figure out the Chinese finger trap, Mm -hmm. which was a party favor at his birthday, so he should know how to use it. That's whenever everybody starts to suspect that it's not really Fester. They get really suspicious. Everyone is shocked that he doesn't know because that's like his favorite thing. So yeah, they buy their own stuff, and that's when everyone is like really suspicious, and then Gomez gets into some (laughs) real destructive train stuff. 
where he kills a train of small people. <laughs> well, that small person they show is Barry Sonnenfeld, the director. Oh, that's fun. Director cameo. When I saw the little Barry Sonnenfeld there in the uh, train, it put me in mind of the time train from Rick and Morty. Mm. Why can't we find the engine? It's not a real train. It's a story device. Literally. A literal literary device quite literally metaphorically containing us. A simulation. Worse. An anthology. As he's doing the train, they show Granny who has her cookbook right next to Grey's Anatomy, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> it's a good bit. I don't know what Granny's vibe is, but her energy is perfect. Where she chases like cats and dogs around at the motel. Just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and while that's all going on, like you said, during the train scene, Fester is trying to, or Gordon, is trying to break into the vault. So he goes and he does the book thing, and the book is greed. He picks up Gone with the Wind, and like a bunch of wind comes out. Very literal, wouldn't you say? Ah! <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that, that'll do it. Um... <laughs> Stupid. But he gets into the room, and this is the part with all the chains, and he pulls the wrong chain, and he gets sucked up through the ceiling, and Morticia is talking with Pugsley and Wednesday, putting them to bed, and sees Fester Gordon shoot through the pipes, and she's there to meet him when he plops out in the yard and she takes him on a tour of the cemetery looking at all of the Adamses from the past this cemetery man this is like the best haunted house version of a cemetery that you could possibly think of the guy who's drawn and quartered they have a little statue of him without his arms and legs the person that was shot with arrows is like all full of holes and stuff like guys what are you doing here they were real people for their whole ass lives i want it to be in my will that whenever i die if i die in any abnormal way Mm -hmm. that it's reflected on my headstone as your headstone yes they finally end at father Adams and Mother Adams, the grandparents, and they stop and see the family motto. Sic gorgiamus allos subjectatos nunc. We gladly feast on those who would subdue us. Not just pretty words. Morticia's a little suspicious of our boy, and everyone is at this point, and she's just basically kind of telling him to watch his step. The next morning, when everyone's real sus of Fester, Pugsley steals his stop sign. And they all like wait and hear like the crash. And there's stop signs all through the rest of the movie. Anytime like Pugsley's in a scene, there's like a stop sign. His room is full of them. When they go to the hotel (laughs) later, he gets a couple. Dr. Penderschloss comes to counsel Gomez because has basically said they're not buying it. Gordon slash Fester. And she comes and convinces him that it's this displacement theory and that Gomez is just adapting and it truly is Fester and Gomez is 100% convinced and while this is all going on Fester sees the kids practicing a sword fight and this little segment here of Fester like getting to know the kids is probably my favorite and like the best part of the whole movie is he's like teaching them where the jugulars are and they're going through all weird stuff there's a fun moment where they're looking through a book of gross stuff and he says look what's next kids scabs He's starting to see that he, at the very least, he has a lot more in common with Fester than he thought at first, Gordon. Mm -hmm. Whereas the last 25 years he spent as Gordon, mama's boy, he has still been criminally insane and... Murderous. Right, likely murderous. So so he's starting to see like, okay, this kind of does fit in with the family aesthetic, so I might as well dig my heels in and try to convince these folks that I really do belong in the best way to do that. Get to know the kids, show them how to do a murder 
Fester probably would have done that. Mm -hmm. He's getting along well and everyone, even suspicious of him, you know, they're still willing to give him a chance. And every time he speaks with his mother, Craven or Penderschloss, all she ever does is kind of yell at him and put him down. And he wants to go to the children's place. He's helped them with it, but she convinces him that he can't. And he has to, while they're at the play, finally sneak into the fault. But seems Fester's feeling a little guilty about it. But then they roll up to the play and it's, there's a great stuff here. We, we get some more Adam's family relative stuff. The Wednesday's teacher is concerned that uh, she's being too weird. And <laughs> there's some like 90s political humor in here where someone's like, well, you know, little Ginny brought in a picture of the president. She said, well, have you talked to her parents? And it's just really fun. Like the, the it would be so easy to take the Adams family's like in a very cynical direction in a very blue kind of like South, I don't want to say like South Parky direction, but like there's an easy way to do this. But for some reason, when they do this kind of weird stuff and like when Mortish is like, Wednesday's great Aunt Calpurnia. She was burned as a witch in 1706. They say she danced naked in the town square and enslaved a minister. The teacher is freaking out like, frankly, I'm concerned. Don't worry. We've told Wednesday, college first. <laughs> she could dance naked in the town square and make a pastor her slave. <laughs> yes, but after college. <laughs> yes. And you side with the Adamses at all times. Speaking of tapping into morbidity, this is where they show the play, which is some pseudo Shakespeare play where they're just <laughs> gushing blood. Shakespeare meets Shogun Assassin. Whoosh. <laughs> Shogun Assassin's dope as hell, dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love kung fu movies, like the old Japanese blood gusher movies. So good. Speaking of an organic spot for an ad break, I have to pee. <laughs> so later that night, everyone had a great time at the play. The kids were wonderful. Fester puts Wednesday to bed and she crosses her arms over her chest like that to sleep. That's a, uh, that's a full-on ad lib by <laughs> Christina right there. Fester and the kids stuff. Christopher Lloyd and like is just doing work. He is just stunting on these fools here, this whole movie. But there's a great scene of Gomez and Morticia, and they reminisce about how they first met at a funeral while lounging on a tomb that is a couch. <laughs> um, but the next morning is discovered, because uh, we, we saw here that uh, Dr. Pandeschlosh was snooping around last night and got wrapped up by the, the vines, I guess. And we find out that the Adamses are going to throw a going away party because this is, you know, kind of fester he's done. He's about to leave. They had a really cool transition between the mentioning of the party planning and the party mm -hmm. where Gomez and Morticia start waltzing. Oh, Gomez says, Tish, how long has it been since we've waltzed? And she says, Oh, Gomez. Hours. That's the best! That's the best! Oh, boy. He told us not to yell. <laughs> I was, did you see how far away I was? This is fine. Still so loud. <laughs> I, I did not, I didn't even yellow. I didn't even yellow. And after that really great quote, she flips up, I don't know if it's her cardigan or something, but it, it flips over the camera, and then as it flips back down, they're waltzing at the party. Hell yeah. Really cool transition. It was like Sam Raimi-esque. The whole gang is here. We got all the spooky causes. We got... There's a guy playing a snake. <laughs> There's a guy playing a snake. There's a lady dancing with a candle. <laughs> we got... The hunchback with the mohawk. Lumpy Adams. We got the Amor twins. They showed up. Mm, flora and Fauna. Oh, yeah. The Tullys show up. Margaret and whatever. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> his first name's Tully. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Margaret and Tully show up. And this is when Cousin It rolls up in his weird little German three-wheeled car bumping MC Hammer. It, A.K.A. Mr. Steal Your Girl. Hell yeah. <laughs> he goes straight to work. He cuts in on yep. Tully and Margaret. And then that's it. Margaret pairs off with Cousin It and Tully pairs off with Flora and Fauna. They have this discussion where Flora and Fauna say that, well, actually, Fester being the older brother... Uh-huh. He is the one who's the heir to all the money. I'm sure that won't come up later. <laughs> right. You can see the steam coming out of Tully's ears. <laughs> and then Gordon finally gets to dance with Flora and Fauna, played by real twin, real life twins, which I called a Siamit cute. Okay. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, here's the thing about it. It's very bad. Yeah. But that is also the point. So That is, isn't it? It's a success, but it also gave me that feeling of when you're going down like a hill and you go too fast and you do like a bump and it made my stomach go up like this. I thought it was pretty good. Siamit cute. It's good. I mean, it's, it was so good it caused a physical reaction in me. So, <laughs> a feet cute I thought was a reach because they've already okay they've already met. You know they're married. Siamit. Siamit cute. cute. Gordon's actually meeting this, these Siamese twins. Really, he doesn't know it, but he's him being Fester. Hasn't met them before. It's right about this time that they send Wednesday up to check on the bell of the ball, old Uncle Festy, and she she done heard some shit she wasn't supposed to. She comes up and discovers that he's actually Gordon and that Dr. Penderschloss is actually Mama Craven. Mm-hmm. There's a quick chase scene, but she gets away. She ain't, she's nobody's dummy. Um, and then she'll, she's... And that's when Fester goes to have his Siamese cute. Yes, that is when the Siam Siam meet cute cute occurs. And that is also when we dance the mamushka. I think at this point in time, there's no questioning it. Now, they say later that something, him bumping his head is what makes him remember he's Fester Adams. The lightning strike. The lightning strike, which... Which I think is has to be patently false because he knows all the words to the mamushka. I agree. He knows all the dance moves to the mamushka. Mm-hmm. By now, mm-hmm. he has to know that he's Fester Adams because he knows every move. Spoiler, no spoiler. He is Fester Adams. So he's having this recollection. And I kind of thought that this moment when he was like so charged up and he had so much fun doing the mamushka, which is actually a whole song. We only get a couple, a little bit of words here, but the Mamushka's a full-ass song. It's on the soundtrack. There's lyrics and Gomez sings and Fester sings. Mm-hmm. It's a whole business. I loved when they started juggling the knives and they do this like Hell yeah. wide angle shot and you can so clearly see their stunt doubles. <laughs> if you look yes, at them at it's... all, you have to be looking at the knives to not realize it because Fester's this real That's skinny exactly dude it. with a shaved head. Mm-hmm. and uh, It's totally <laughs> different body shapes. Which is crazy because Fester... <laughs> just, wear the fat, just wear the fat suit. He's in a fat suit. Yeah, and Gomez is like six and a half feet tall. He's in a fat suit. He's in the fat suit from Godfather 2. That's the fat suit that Bruno Kirby wore <laughs> in Godfather real. 2. That is real. I read that. Bruno Kirby offered it up, yeah. Obviously, these are like professional knife throwers and catchers and whatnots Mm -hmm. they tried not at all to make it look like the people they were playing well the mamushka is a blast apparently the full song was kind of you know with test audiences it kind of like dragged things down and i haven't listened to it yet but i think i'm going to after this because it was a good bit and while we're on the topic of the prosthesis with christopher lloyd's fat suit angelica houston the amount of stuff that they had to do to her they like used strings to pull her eyes back to kind of match the look from the tv show of that actress pull up her skin and all this wild business she was in a metal corset 
and apparently she could not sit or lay down. So basically they would get her in costume and just shoot as much as they could because she said like there was no reason to like take a break because she couldn't relax with all this stuff on. And that all being said, like her performance does not suffer at all. And I I just kind of want to bring that up. She's full of prosthesis and flawless. After the mamushka, Fester's so excited and he heads back up to his room and Mama Craven is waiting there. Mamushka! Mamushka! Yeah, he's finally kind of like happy and like alive and he's trying to get his mom in on it and she was like, hey, dummy, get your head on a swivel. This isn't what we're here for. We're here for those doubloons. And this is kind of the first moment, I think, where he's really like, what is our relationship? Really? I think he's starting to question, like, is this real? Like, am I Fester? And now when I was a kid, I don't know if the version I had was taped off a TV where we skipped the part where he was actually, in fact, Uncle Fester. Because I always thought that he was just like, I love these people. And that's just how it is. I was kind of wondering about that. Was that a studio note to change that to make him the original Fester. It says on the trivia page on IMDb Mm -hmm. that it was originally that he was just Gordon acting like Fester. And then there's no expository ending where they say, well, actually, Uh she did find Fester in a net in the Bermuda Triangle. That explains the granny scene at the very end there. Yeah. And I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think it's cleaner if it is actually just like a random. He's like, I fucking love these guys. Mm -hmm. I like that so much more. I think that that fits. But then where's Fester? Yeah. He's kind of like, you know what, maybe, maybe, maybe something else is better. But it's kind of out of his hand at this point because Tully's got another scheme working. And it is a scheme with the judge that (laughs) Gomez does keep smashing all of his windows and pulls a fast one. And since Fester is the eldest, he actually gets the house and everything contained within and files a restraining order against the rest of the family kicking them to the curb, but not without some regrets on his part, it seems. There's also a bit in there where Tully has the book from the Adams Library, The Sun Also Rises, and when he, he's like catching sun off of it, he has it open on his face. No, oh, I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a good... See, there's so many jokes. There are so many jokes in this movie. You blink and you miss three of them. It's a real joke onion. It's like Airplane, where there's like literally every second mm-hmm. joke, 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 joke. It's relentless, and it's perfect. This is the uh, the scene where everybody's packing up because they now have to leave. Yes. And Thing is pulling a wagon full of hand catalogs. Oh, so cute. Is that is that porn for Thing? <laughs> I don't know if it's porn or just because like he is a hand, so everything in the cart is hand-related. There's like gloves and like, yeah, like magazines with hands. I think it's porn for um, Thing. I, I think don't... it's Thing's porn. Uh, well. I'm going on the record and saying that is porn. To each his own, I guess. <laughs> if a nudist has a Playboy magazine, is it not considered pornography? I mean, like, yeah, but. Just because it's not pornography to them doesn't mean it's not pornography, right? I mean, I guess, I guess, like. Okay. How do hands have sex? Oh, boy. (laughs) Is it the hole with the finger? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. See, as a panel of full-bodied individuals, I don't know that we can really, like, start interpreting, like, what hand-bodied entities are into, you know? No, I can't speak to it, but that's what I just... We we can't speak to their experience. (laughs) I have to pose the questions. Okay. I'm out of here. We have to. Fucking hand porn. Get out. I quit. I'm going home. 
We can cut this. No, it's going in. It's its own episode now. This is the bonus. It's three minutes of us talking about whether or not things hand catalogs. He's got a glove, too. Uh, yeah. I just think... Well, if he's cold... Is that like a gimp suit for a hand? No! It, it covers... Oh, no! It covers him. It covers him in his entirety. So why have the glove? It's a coat! Yeah, okay. Ah, I don't know. Stop. <laughs> Well, he needs all the help he can get because he's got to go to work. And he finds a job working as a courier for FedEx. And they play some more MC Hammer. Yeah, there's some more MC Hammer, but we get a lot of fish out of water bits because the Adams family is out on the street and they got to live in a shitty motel. Right outside their motel is a big billboard for Tombstone Pizza. Yep. What do you want on your tombstone? Pepperoni and cheese. That's good product placement. There must have been a tie-in. And Wednesday is selling lemonade, and she has this exchange with the Girl Scout, which I think is hilarious. Is this made from real lemons? Yes. I only like all-natural fruits and beverages, organically grown, with no preservatives. Are you sure they're real lemons? Yes. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll buy a cup if you buy a box of my delicious Girl Scout cookies. Do we have a deal? Are they made from real Girl Scouts? (laughs) (laughs) And Morticia Adams is, I guess she's a kindergarten teacher, and she tells the story of Hansel and Gretel. From the witch's perspective. From the witch's perspective, yes. And I think she really made those child extras cry. I was wondering, how do you get all those kids to cry? Is it like just like a yawn thing? If you get one started, did they like pop a balloon? (laughs) I don't know. Do you pinch one? This is 91. They just said, like, we just got a call that your your parents are dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they got Bruce Wayne to cry. This all reads like abuse either way. I But I think at the very least, they definitely made them really cry or else those are the best acting kids I've ever seen. I think they did some unethical bullshit. Like they probably like shouted or like popped some balloons or something to try to get a couple of them going. Because only like two or three really started. I don't know. Maybe if you just sit in a room with a bunch of kids long enough, they'll start crying. Let's say that's what they did. They just waited. <laughs> Everyone's pulling their weight except... For my boy Gomez, man, the, the presso is hitting him hard. He's not having a great time with it. I love that everyone's giving him space to kind of work through it, but he's doing some real unhealthy stuff, calling into Sally Jesse. So you claim that your son was brainwashed by voodoo witch doctors and forced to recruit others. Let's take a call. Hello, Sally. Mr. Adams, please stop calling. We do not know where they meet. <laughs> Very good bit. It's a good bit. Very good bit. But Fester, you know, he's sad too. And later that night, in one of these scenes, and uh, the cinematography in this movie is great. The look, that that thing that happens for Morticia and Gomez where the light just hits them on the eyes just so. Um, There was three different cinematographers on this, three directors of photography. The first had to quit because they have a different job. The second left as soon as he started basically and then barry sonnenfeld who was formerly a director of photography just took over he was like i'm sick of this if something happens to me then i guess that the whole thing's off anyhow so i'm gonna do it all and he took over and i think it actually helped the film mm-hmm. i think this film looked great this is also his directorial debut it must be hard to like have a first outing this amazing you know what i mean i mean it's like a blessing and a curse because it's so good but then it's got to be tough to follow this one up you know what i mean <laughs> He does hit the same level of success, probably, in Men in Black. He also directed Wild Wild West. So you don't want to see his hand where his hip be at. 
Yeah, luckily it doesn't destroy him, but there's a ton of people who struggled tremendously with having a huge first hit. M. Night Shyamalan is still living in the shadow of Sixth Sense. Well, Morticia, she got a plan and she heads off to the house and she wants to speak with Fester, but old Mama Crave and she got different ideas. Thing fortunately follows her and sees that she's in trouble and heads back to let Gomez know that um, she needs a rescue. And they have a fun little communication bit where Thing is trying to do sign language, but Gomez can't keep up. And then Thing, it's terrible when you stutter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's here that the kind of the seams are showing the most when he's doing this bit, because this is where it's most obvious that Thing is a hand coming through a table. But yet again, like it doesn't matter at all because I was having so much fun. It did not take me out of the movie even one bit. So Gomez heads off to the house and in the biggest stunt of the movie, I'm thinking, does like a backward somersault through the window (laughs) into his study. Oh, I'm sorry. That just tickles me even thinking about it now. It's a really funny take. It's such a good stunt and like the comedic timing of it because like I never expected him to not only like jump through the window, but to like backward somersault through it. This movie takes you by surprise every step of the way. And there's a little sword fight between Tully and Gomez, but it stops short with... Mama Craven and a gun. There's a fun little torture scene here with Morticia where she was mocking them and basically being like, okay, you guys ain't got shit on me trying to torture me. I love this shit. Like, I'll have Gomez come show you a couple of tips. But there's a battle and a standoff and eventually sides need to be taken and Gordon has had enough. And as Mama Craven seems to have the upper hand, he kind of says, wait, no, Gomez, don't try to trick us. You're going for the wrong book. And then Gordon slash Fester picks up a book called Hurricane Irene and opens it and shoots the two bad guys, Tully and (laughs) Craven, into awaiting open graves that the children then bury. And chillingly, Pugsley asks, Are they dead? And Wednesday answers. Does it matter? And they had it all dug up already. They clearly had planned that murder ahead of time. Well, they knew someone was going to die. It had their names on them. Tombstones are already ready for them. It's a threat. We will see you dead. (laughs) Yeah. When I meet a new person, I add them to my Wii me creator. You know, I put a new Wii in the thing. Someone new in the circle, I put them in there. I feel like the Adams family probably does a similar thing. This is our new friend. We are going to carve them into stuff. But they, um, these, these children absolutely killed these adults. They, they killed them for sure. If you think these people are your friends, it's probably a pretty nice thing to do to start their headstones. See? Headstones are very expensive. Very expensive. Imagine being gifted with a headstone. Like, say you had a loved one pass away and the Adams had stuff ready for you. Like, coffins here's the headstone you know i'm really sorry this happened whatever but yeah or stoked that it happened i think it would be a double-edged sword having the adamses like help out with your grandma's funeral because on one hand they're like super helpful and they got everything taken care of but on the other hand they're like a little too into the fact that your grandma's dead but they have a very positive outlook on death a lot of accidental deaths in this family they don't really hold that against each other apparently gomez accidentally killed his mom but we don't touch on that it was an accident it was an accident it was an accident. So the Adamses are freed, and those other two guys are dead. And then we get a little epilogue scene. Seven months later, it's Halloween, and Pugsley, in honor of his best bud, is Fester. Wednesday is just dressed in her regular clothes, and when asked, says, This is my costume. I'm a homicidal maniac. They look just like everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Mrs. 
Tully, Margaret shows up with her main squeeze, Mr. Steel, your man, cousin, it. They're both there. It's great. He's a cowboy. She's like a princess or something. Fester is there. This is when they throw in that Fester is actually Fester and the lightning actually jogged his memory and he had like amnesia and he actually went missing in the Bermuda Triangle. I noticed some weird audio edits in my version during the exposition. Dr. Pindeschloss really did find Fester tangled in a tuna net 25 years ago. That's probably cuts like ADR and reshoots to... put in that fester is fester everything's back to normal everyone's having a great time this is when they go out on halloween and play their favorite game raise the dead and dig up their old relatives and play with their bones (laughs) i love these guys oh they're so buck wild and they're all back to normal and even better it seems there's a baby on the way can you say pubert Oh, yeah. It has three legs. Are we going to get into that? The three legs? So either she knows that she's having a three-legged baby, or she knows that the Adams are particularly blessed. (sighs) There we go. Called Pubert because it has a mustache, just like Gomez. (laughs) Well, Will? The baby has two legs, mind you. Well, she's just planning for any possibilities. She would love it any which way it came out. And we will get into that <laughs> on Adam's Family Values coming up here, I believe, 96. 93. That is sooner than we anticipated. I'm interested to check that out because I think I remember liking that one more than this, but I'm interested to see how that shakes out. And we'll hope you will, too. It's a lot more Wednesday centric, which I think was a good thing. Yes, certainly, certainly. I mean, she became a much bigger star in the interval here. Um, Played a played a more than a few girl on a haunted house, (laughs) which will not fall under our purview. I hope. (laughs) God, I hope. I do not want to watch Casper. Casper was good. But that was a good movie. Before all that takes place, we got to get to that comic convergence, baby. Created by cartoonist Charles Adams, the Adams family of the New Yorker cartoons were satirical one-panel gags with most of the humor derived from the macabre. They weren't very fleshed out until the TV series. In the credits, there's a special thanks to Lady Colleyton, mm-hmm. who used to be married to Charles Adams. Oh. When they divorced, she retained some of the copyrights of his work, and then she married a baron. <laughs> she must have enough of the rights to have to sign off on the movie. Because by then, Charles Adams had been dead for three years when the movie came out. That's a great kickoff to all this, because there was a lot of kerfuffle that I read about involved with things. Because when they made this movie, they made them, this is an interpretation of of the original comic works by Charles Adams. But a lot of the stuff is things that the creators of the show say that the movie folks poached from the show and not the original works. And there was some legal disputes and things about that. One of the producers of the movie didn't like the way the final product shook out, as it were. Because there is a lot of uh, connections here between the show and the movie the the movie certainly things taken from the show just real quick before we we get any further i do want to bring up that angelica houston actually was basing her performance not on the tv show morticia but on the people from the documentary gray gardens she was trying to bring some big ed energy to her performance which if you guys haven't watched gray gardens either check that out or the documentary now the documentary now version (laughs) which is much more enjoyable (laughs) funny aside Mm mm-hmm Lurch is also the dude who plays the giant in Twin Peaks. Oh, yeah, I didn't I didn't know that. I knew I recognized him, but 
Hell yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for the comic convergence. Let's get into our most contentious, most rambunctious segment we got. Who's your hero? Who's your villain? My hero would be the Adams family contractors who built mm, their vaults and their train sets and their slides and their and their basement gondolas, trapdoors and trapdoors. And house. that house was dope, man. I mean. That contractor should be a billionaire. He probably did get paid in, like, gold Krugerrands, so he's probably doing okay. See? <laughs> I mean, the ballroom is majestic as well. I mean, it's beautiful. That's better than that Beauty and Beast shit any day. My hero's Morticia Adams, baby. She's the best. Who's Reed taken She's by? She's the best. I don't Morticia even... Adams. Well, it's not even that. It's just, you know, she she's so, she's got such a strong personality and she's in command of the situation at all times because Gomez is, you know, is full of passion and he's up and he's down and he's everywhere, but like Morticia's your rock, man. She's she's what's holding this whole family together. So, I'm going with Morticia Adams. This is a segment we like to call Who Gave You Your First Book? Gadget from the Rescue Rangers, my dude. Real confusing time. <laughs> and that ain't just me, dog. So, I mean, like... Because I remember thinking, why does Gadget have boobs? Because she's a mouse, but, like... Oh, no. She got them boobs, though, huh? <laughs> and actually, it's funny you say that, because mine was Monterey Jack. There you go. That makes sense. <laughs> that seems like a straight line. Yeah, that's why I have all this facial hair. <laughs> So now villains, guess maybe I'll, maybe I'll steal, sneak in here and get my favorite. You're not going to get mine. No, I I probably would not. But my my villain here, I really got to give it up for Tully. He he pulls this off. He's slimy and he's sneaky. He was like in with the fam. He was like in the right. He was skimming a little bit off the top, but you know he took it a little bit too far. But I don't think I don't think if Mama Craven would have ever approached, he would have ever gone to that. I mean, I think he was finagled into scheming, but I don't think he ever would have on his own. But he was just great. I'd like to dovetail off of your villain and say my villain is real estate law. <laughs> They lived in that house for 25 years, and then Fester comes back. I think you could reasonably assume that Fester's dead after 25 years, or at the very least, forfeiting any and all rights to that house. For sure. I think that they have squatter's rights. I mean, I don't know real estate law, but I know whatever they did was chock full of shenanigans. There's no way you should be able to show up 25 years later and take somebody's house. It is because the judge who decided that case was the same judge whom Gomez smashed about a thousand golf balls. This is a person in power using his personal feelings. He shouldn't have been allowed to try that case. I don't disagree. Yeah, it's a conflict of interest. He should have had to recuse himself. Recuse. Very good. Nice. I mean, yeah, that's a conflict of interest in a big way, baby. Um, I think it's safe to say that we all enjoyed this movie. The general public seemed to enjoy it as well. This movie had a budget of $30 million. The opening weekend made just about all that back, 24.2. And the gross worldwide box office on this one was 192. That makes perfect sense why this one would have got a sequel. Faux show. On Rotten Tomatoes, we've got a tomato meter score of 64%, audience of 66, a little bit lower than I would have anticipated, to be perfectly honest with you. That's a segment we called What's Tomato You? What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> 
I would have thought it would be that the audience score would at least be in the 80s, but that does not seem to be the case. Uh, doing a little bit better over at Metacritic, the Metascore is at a 57%, and the user score at a 7.2. Joe Brown on the Washington Post seemed to enjoy this one. It's a, a laugh in the dark funhouse ride that provides nearly two hours of slightly sinister sight gags and gothic giggles. It's creepy, kooky, and even altogether ooky enough to satisfy any Adam's addict. I love that alliteration, my dude. (laughs) It did all right. It certainly warranted enough for a sequel, and we will absolutely be covering that one next. So the next movie we'll be watching is our very first sequel, which is interesting. It's one of the soonest well, it's one of the closest movies and it got a sequel out before everything else, which is, you know, kind of nuts. But uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, Secret of the Use. Go, Ninja. Go, Ninja. Go, 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 go. Oh, God, I'm not looking forward to that. That song is dope. I mean, this is a bop. Let's wrap up and rate. Adam's Family. <laughs> the Adam's Family. I did have to look. I did have to look. Solid movie overall. The The bits are hilarious. The action's great. It's funny. It's over the top, but in every way that it should be. Well, to me, I've been trying to look at this from the perspective of what is my mood? How do I feel about it when those credits start to roll? And I've been trying to take kind of snap judgments of my reaction. And when I got done with this one, to me, this was almost perfect in every way. I didn't notice any of the flaws, the joke density, the pacing. It never slowed down. There was a moment I looked down at my phone. I was like, oh my God, it's been been an hour. It felt like two minutes. This movie just flowed. It hit the tone perfectly. I think the look, the cinematography, everything is almost perfect as kind of as close as a movie could be to that maybe that's nostalgia but i don't think it gets much better than that all right you dirty nerdies i think that'll just about wrap up the adams family please be sure to stick around for the next bonus episode where we'll talk about our and your reactions uh, to the adams family let us know what your favorite uh method of demise <laughs> in the Adams Mansion and you can hit us up at Pod on Twitter or nerdaplexy at gmail.com um, those are run by our amazing social media manager Dave over at the face of Dave on Twitter uh, I'm at pgh underscore read and Sam is pgh underscore svh check out Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 for next time uh special thanks to the cast and crew of adam's family this was um just so much fun uh, and i can't wait to get to this sequel all right well until we meet again i'd like to leave you with this thought to ponder okay so here's the pitch it's the adam's family and the monsters and their neighbors and twist they hate each other because herman's all straight laced and boring and gomez is all wild and passionate then they realize that they have so much fun pranking all the other normies on their cul-de-sac that they get together and it's great. Paramount Plus, call me.